Uh, I was thinking the other day, and I was thinking some random thoughts. How many of you ever find out that your mind waters, wa waters, it does that too. <laughs> but, you know, your, your mind wanders and you think crazy stuff. I was, I was thinking about Mary as, you know, we're kind of preparing uh, for the Advent season and we're, we're thinking about a Christmas service. And I was thinking if there was ever a girl that was confident at her prenatal uh, times with the doctor, it had to be Mary. She was already told, look, by an angel. Even her fiance was told by an angel that warned him, hey, don't put her away. You're going to have a baby. This baby's going to grow up to be great. He's going to be, you know, in the lineage of David, and he's going to be all these amazing things. So I could, I was just visualizing what it must have been like when she shows up to her her doctor for her prenatal, and he asked her, he said, how's your pregnancy going so far? And, you know, divine. Uh, <laughs> Well, how do you think this baby's forming inside of you? Because you sure look healthy, <laughs> perfectly. And then later, you know, when, when Jesus was born and, and, and after that, then the different of the uh, brothers of Jesus and sisters were born. But I could imagine going to the pediatricians. And, you know, he's, he's about the last time she'd ever take you. Maybe he's 11, nearly 12 years old. And, and the pediatrician grabs her and said, you know, I, I don't mean to go on an, on, on an edge, but that's, that son of yours, he's nearly perfect. Uh, James and the others aren't quite as much. So anyway, so if your mind wanders and you get equally deep things like that, share it with me. Okay, all right. Well, we're definitely headlong into the Christmas season with all of its pageantry and hoopla. Christmas is, in fact, a Christian holiday, but it's often eclipsed by the emphasis of the secular. The other day I was reading some articles that were written way back around uh, uh, 1914, and people were talking about how Christmas was losing its meaning because of all of the secularizations. There was even a society called the Society Against Unnecessary Giving. And, and some of our notable presidents and people in our, in our, our country were a part of that. Now, and, and, and I finally got proof that my wife, Kim, if, if we were married at the time of the pilgrim leaving England and coming to the United States, we'd have still been in England, as I say. And because the pilgrims didn't celebrate Christmas. That, that definitely means that, you know, any pictures, Nani, if there's any photos, video of Kim and her little, uh, you know, her little pilgrim outfit, eh, it's over. Get rid of it. It's not good footage. My wife absolutely loves Christmas. And so... Uh, this gift-giving and stuff, because it, there's this war that goes on. With, you know, I need to think about Jesus, but I also need to get Natalie to go buy Kim's gifts. I, I, have, I have a shopper, and so we get a list from Kim of potential things to do, and then, and then, then Natalie goes, and then she comes back and she tells me how we spend our money. The arrangement is really good because Kim puts only the things she really wants. There's no fluff in the budget. It's good. And so I'm, I would lean towards the, the, the people that 
Uh, I'm not as much into the pageantry, especially if I've got to buy gifts. That means it's out of my pocket, it's gone. And, but my wife, she truly gets it. And there is this battle that we face in our culture of not wanting it to only be Santa Claus or, you know, and, and, and put away the joy that Christmas brings to secular people as well as Christian people. So you have the, the, the secular people, uh, they need to hear about peace on earth, goodwill to men. They need to have a time of year to focus on the positive and give uh, thankful gifts to friends and family. I'd, I'd love them to enjoy Christmas and get saved and come to Jesus. And then you have the, the Christians that some of them uh, say, well, you know, it, Christ, Christmas was a pagan holiday and, and they're completely accurate. Uh, long before the Christians began to really codify that they were uh, going to worship the Lord, um, his birth being placed at December 25th, uh, December 25th was right at the tail end of a pagan holiday. And the pagans used to drink heavy, and they used to give gifts, and they had merry old time for about a week. And then it kind of ended at December 25th. And so in the 4th century, the Roman Catholic Church said, hey, we have new people who are becoming Christians from among the pagans, and the biggest temptation for them is that holiday of the, of the um, solstice, and they are kind of slipping away. And so they adapted. They said, well, why don't we make December 25th Jesus' birthday? Okay, read my lips. I don't think he was born on December 25th, but I believe that he was born within 183 days either way. Some people say the spring. I've seen credible scholars actually think it was Gino's birthday, not because they've met Gino, who's very divine in and of himself, but because, uh, you know, that 9-11 was a specific day in terms of the Jewish calendar, et cetera, et cetera, that they believe that, that Jesus could have been born on 9-11, September 11th, long before 9-11 as we knew it uh, manifested. So we see the pagans started it, and... What, what did the, the church do? They said, we're going to worship the, the birth of Jesus and we're going to keep the giving of gifts. And their proof text for that was that the wise men brought gifts to baby Jesus. So out of it came a lot of groovy legends. And I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, I like Christmas. If we make it through December... Everything's going to be all right, I know. You know, I, I, I still, I love, I love Christmas. Kim and I were, were kind of puny the last two days, so if, if my sermon doesn't go well, I'm still a little puny. I know, clear down to 235 pounds of puniness, but anyway. So we're not feeling that good, so we are watching every Christmas movie we could to... We, we sunk to a new low last night where a, a, a Christmas movie with a guy faking he's black, uh, uh, Bigfoot. No. Bigfoot. I'm not even going to give you the name of the movie because you'll be trying to watch it and you will find you'll have 20 degrees of your IQ drop. I don't know if it's going to return. 
But we like them. We like that, you know, a royal Christmas, a prince for Christmas. I like chick flicks. I just go, honey, tell me how you feel about the movie. And we just, we, 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 we have a great time. How many of you kind of join me? And it's kind of a neat time. One-eighth of the congregation agreed. Okay. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So there are definitely extremes. There are the people that, that feel such pressure to impress people that they're going way out on edge in credit card spending. And Christmas is almost like a bondage of pressure that they feel to go and, and try to uh, woo somebody or uh, maybe uh, impress someone. That is an extreme. I don't think it's an extreme that we should shut everything down. There's also the people that will hardly care for their own family throughout the whole year. Maybe they need to get some Christmas cheer. And as, as my wife showed me one time, she said, honey, look at all the gifts. So many of the gifts that we give the children are actually things they need for the year. Coats, shoes, sweaters, practical things. And so all of a sudden, here's this pile of materialism up against a, a, a tree, and, and I'm melting down from my, my background in poverty, and it just seemed like, like waste until my wife pulled me aside and said, look at that. We could give it, we could give it in January, we could give it in October, but a lot of these things we save so we just have a nice celebration. Really help me. And, and giving people things they'd just like. There's nothing wrong with giving somebody a Sony radio or, uh, you know, a ThinkPad or whatever you may come up with that you, you feel that's within your budget to give. Don't get caught up in the traffic of all of those extremes. I'm going to give nothing. I'm Scrooge. Or, hey, I'm going to destroy my finances by giving too much. At the end of this message, I'm going to conclude <laughs> what you should give. Or maybe I'll kick the, that question down the, down, kick that can down the lane and make you um, figure it out yourself. But my conclusion as I study this from Scripture is Christmas is all about giving. That question we often ask is, is Christmas about giving? I think if we said, is it about giving material presents? No, that's not enough. It's more than just giving material things. I think if we, if we keep Jesus and the birth of Jesus and the, and the holy uh, list of things that happen, if we were to lose those and just say, well, since I, I kind of suspect he wasn't born on December 25th, we'll no longer celebrate the birth of Jesus. Wrong. Let's just keep December 25th. I don't know about you. I'm not painting myself blue and hanging up uh, things in the trees. And Next year I might consider it, but not this year. <laughs> How many of you know we're not going go to become druids, right? But we do need to put Jesus back in the season. He's the reason for the season. So as I analyzed this, I realized that it is all, Christmas is all about giving. Everyone associated with the birth of Jesus were people who invested in expensive, personally costly 
gifts to the Lord. We see that there was an angel. I, I read uh, the scriptures back in the first service, but I got interrupted with some little people. You guys already forgot, didn't you? That's what old age will do for you. Huh? Martha, what, what, what are we here? Yeah, those little kids, they just, they were here. So rather than read all the scriptures, I just want you to know I use the Bible. I find that really helpful in preaching. <laughs> but in Luke chapter 1, verses 30 through 33, an angel came to Mary and gave a promise. This promise was a delivery from heaven itself. It was a commitment by the Father to initiate a process which was going to have eternal consequences. Trust me, when Father God invests in, he will put all of his chips on the table. And he did that in the incarnation of Jesus. And this angel brings this, this virgin Mary. And I was thinking another random thought. Later on, Isaiah 53 said there was nothing about Jesus that he was comely. So his parents were probably ugly. How many know it takes ugly parents to make ugly children? That's why the doctor slapped my mama when I was born. And she slapped me and it got me breathing. But anyway, if he wasn't comely, because it was certainly magnificent, but, you know, our pictures of the Malibu surfer boy Jesus, you know, hi, gentle sheep, let me carry you. That wasn't actually the depiction of really who Jesus was. He, he, he might have been just like a, you know, plain rapper kind of a guy. But he had a great call. So here's this ordinary virgin getting ready to get married and she's finding out that her honeymoon's going to be interrupted with a birth. You found favor, Mary. You're going to conceive in your womb and bring forth a son. His name is Jesus. He'll be great. He'll be son of the highest. Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he's going to reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Whoa. That's kind of like a whole mouthful for an afternoon, isn't it? You're, 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 you know, you're wondering if you need to go get more water for cooking and doing dishes and things. And, and all of a sudden you're told, oh, by the way, a uh, little interruption in your wedding plans. I really would, could really use you to be a surrogate. So the angel gave a, pro, a promise, but Mary had to give faith, submission, and humility. What do you think she's logically going to say? I have never been sexually intimate with a guy. How am I supposed to? conceive and then the second thought would be what about my reputation if there's a divine conception but not everybody is into church as I am and so she asks just a simple question how can this be the angel said again the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you'll be overshadowed by his power of the highest and that holy one who's to be born will be called the son of God. Now indeed, your cousin Elizabeth, or relative Elizabeth, she's conceived a son in her old age. And it, this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. 
I love the, the ASV, the Authorized Standard Version of 1901, how it renders chapter 1, verse 37, for it says, For no word of God is void of power. No rhema from God, no God-breathed word is void of power. One of the things this church stands for is we believe that when God speaks to you and he quickens the written word or he gives you a specific word, that will come to pass. I don't have time to really dig into that, but it's part of what Mary was receiving. The angel is telling her, "There's no, for with God, nothing is impossible. No word of God is void of power. In other words, lady, get ready to see the doctor. Then Mary said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Wow. Wow. What would joy look like if, if all of you beautiful sheep, didn't you like the variety of sheep? Bad. <laughs> they walk in. Some of you are just so willing. And some of you are ornery sheep. But you're in the flock. Huh? Some of you, Lord, just speak to me, thy servant heareth. And others go, Lord, thy servant hath earmuffs on right now. <laughs> Don't disturb me. What would it look like if everybody, including me, was as willing as Mary? I've got a big favor to ask. Lord, speak to me. Be it unto me according to your word. That, she came into agreement with this divine prophetic utterance. She wasn't the only one that gave. Joseph gave faith, submission, and humility. In Matthew 1, 19 through 21, I'll just kind of tell you the story. He being a very just man, he didn't want to shame his, his girl, but he didn't get it. You know, you're engaged to someone and you know that you haven't had sex. And they come by and say, we're having a baby. Yeah. It was all God. I would choke, which shows that Joseph was a better restrained man than me. I would choke, scream, holler, cry, flee without reason. Just me. But Joseph was going to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. I want to tell you something. You cannot get your sins cleansed by paying it forward. You can't try to, to hope that it's a credit and debit column. That you hope that you've done more good than you've done evil in your life. No. This is like a, a, a beautiful girl. She's, maybe she's got her wedding dress on. And 97% of that wedding dress is just beautiful white linen. But she's got a big blob of diesel stain. That's the one thing that everyone's looking at. It distracts. And so if she's going to be able to wear that wedding dress, she's going to have to find a solvent 
that can break up that oil and pull it out and not leave a stain. Many people are trying to use all kinds of solvents to clean sin stains. But the one that God said, the only hope we have is to send a son, to let him be born, to let him carry the burden of the weight of the world on his shoulders. And at age 33, he will lay his life down and he will rise again from the dead as proof of payment in full. It's only Jesus delivering his people from their sin that allows it to happen. I'm urging you today, put your full faith and trust in Jesus. Don't trust your ability to be a better person. Don't trust your ability to pay it forward or I'm going to pay back for all I've done. Let me tell you something. Only the blood of Jesus can take away sin stain from your garment. And Mary was able, and Joseph was receiving this directly from the angel that your son is going to save his people from their sins. Then when Joseph was aroused from his sleep, he did as the angel commanded him and took Mary as his wife. That was a great gift. That was a costly gift. Because even though they knew this was a God thing, you, you find out that, that Jesus' younger brothers didn't even get saved till after the resurrection. While he was doing miracles, they doubted him. So if you think that maybe his own brothers doubted him, do you think maybe neighbor, neighbor folks might have doubted him? Yeah. <laughs> Joseph and that girl, yeah. Joe's not even claiming it. He says it's God's son. Mm -hmm. Really? Well, DNA-wise, he doesn't look a lot like Joseph either. We don't know who the dad is. How many of you know in that culture would be similar to the kind of cloistering that you see uh, of women in places like Saudi Arabia and, uh, and Iran? That was more like it in first century Israel among the Jewish people. So he knew the shame that he'd be walking in, he and Mary, and they were willing to pay the price. We see the wise men they were most likely that they gave gifts to baby Jesus. Matthew 2, 1 through uh, 2 tells us that they came from the east. Uh, during the time of the uh, return of the exiles, uh, about 400 years earlier, uh, Ezra and Nehemiah brought a lot of people back from Babylon and Persia, but a lot of Jews did not come home. They stayed there. So what did they do when they saw the, the caravan leave? They said, okay, throw away the Torah. No, they didn't. They stayed faithful as, as, as uh, Jewish uh, seekers of God. They didn't feel the call to go back and rebuild Jerusalem or rebuild the temple, but they kept their writings. And the Magi or the wise men appear to be Jewish scholars who were led through the Holy Spirit, uh, tracking some things, some signs in the, in the stars in the heavens, and then matching that up with the scriptural references to a star of Jacob from the book of Genesis, uh, or excuse me, uh, book of uh, Numbers. And so they, they come rolling, chasing that star with gifts, with gifts to signify the life and ministry of who Jesus would be. And so they, they arrive into uh, Bethlehem and so... Uh, they're inquiring in Bethlehem during the, the days of Herod, saying, 
Where's he that's been born the king of the Jews? For we've seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. But Herod picked this up. King of the Jews. <laughs> How many you know that in, in feudal times like that, if there's a new king, oftentimes the old king gets to go to heaven sooner. They often killed him. And so it was like, you better be ready to die or ready to kill to retain your throne. And he chose and wiped out all kinds of, of boys under two years old in the, in the city of Jerusalem. And so we see that, that when, when the wise men saw and they, they were warned by God, they found the child and then they boogied and they left without telling Herod where he was. When they heard the king, they departed. Behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them. It came and it stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. Well, let me just say this. Excessive or exceeding is a pretty powerful word. Add L-Y and it's magnified. Exceedingly. That's watching my wife on Christmas Day. She's exceedingly happy. She's got the babies there. She's opening presents. And I think that's how Jesus makes us feel, is exceedingly joyful. And these guys were exceedingly thrilled to be able to see the star once again. And when they'd come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. A couple points I want to make, and, and uh, we'll uh, bring this to a conclusion at some point this afternoon. Most babies are quite ordinary when they're born. This wasn't something to behold that was that magnificent. A kid in a barn put in, in a hay stable, in a hay manger. But these guys that had some wealth and substance and scholars, maybe their synagogue in uh, Persia, wherever they came from, actually helped raise money because they come and they bring expensive gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They had the vision to not see just what was there, but what was reality in the heavens. Think of getting down in front of a baby and worshiping God. There's a number of people that did that, Anna and Simeon. One person said, now that my eyes have seen the Savior, I can die. What would it look like if we're as willing as Mary and every one of us said this? I've got to see the coming of the Lord in my day. The gifts they gave, they gave him gold which spoke of his kingship. He's king of kings and lord of lords. They could have only known this by revelation. They gave him frankincense because frankincense was used in the, in the, in the altar of incense and the priest were to make sure there was a constant vapor and a scent of blessing going to God. They knew that this was a priest, a king, a priest,
The third one kind of rocks me. Because not only was Jesus the high priest, but he was the sacrifice. And myrrh was body preparation for the dead. They saw his life. Do we see his life? Do we see Jesus as king of our life? Or is it just a groovy church thought? Do we see him as the high priest of our confession that's taking our prayers before the Father? Do we see ourselves hanging on that cross with Jesus as Moses hung the serpent on the cross so I will be lifted up and when I am lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. Have we identified with all three gifts that we can only live because he partook of the myrrh? Wow. Challenging. These guys gave expensive gifts. What's my conclusion? Yes, there's overwhelming evidence that Christmas is about giving. Number two, no. I can't resolve your issues of who to buy gifts for and how much to spend. That's, that was humor. That was... <laughs> Number three, I can assure you that wise men and women still seek him. Number four, when you see him, Don't do this if you don't see Jesus. Don't ever become a religious person because it was a groovy idea in an afternoon. But when you see Jesus, as he really is, I'm asking you to give him your life. He gave you his. Whoa. Next week, we're going to be talking about Christ, the ultimate giver. And we're going to urge you to open up the gifts that the Lord has brought you through Jesus. How of you know that the Bible teaches us with joy shall you draw water from the wells, plural, of salvation. Many people are only trying to go to heaven. That's only one well. The Lord has a bunch of gifts for you. Let's talk about that next week. Let's all stand together if we could. Wow. My heart is just really stirred with the beauty of Jesus. With the decorum that although the Son of God I skipped one whole point that number four is God gave his Son it costs Father everything. I can't imagine sending any one of my four children to be destroyed, to live in a toilet bowl. Compared to heaven, this earth we walk on is a toilet bowl.
We know that's true because it's going to go up in fervent heat and a new one will be made. God sent the Son in the midst of all that to redeem a people for himself. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 tells us that unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. Father gave. Right now it's time to do some business. Week after week, people come in this place with all kinds of ideas about what it means to be a Christian. What does it mean to walk with God? Is being a lover of God just mean like I'm not going to molest him and hopefully he won't molest me? And Or is it like the credit debit thing that I don't know what to do, but I just hope it pans out okay because I'm trying to be a good person. And I want to pr- declare to you the gospel And week after week, people give their life to Jesus here as they begin to understand the gospel. The gospel is you did not, nor can you ever do the heavy lifting. The wages of sin is death. That's the only thing that I, Steve Schmelzer, know that I've earned. I earned fully to be eternally separated from God. That's what I paid in full. I paid in full for hell. But the gift of God is life through Jesus Christ. The free gift of God. And so week after week, people come in here, sometimes broken, sometimes trying to find solace from an abandonment. Maybe your family turned against you. Maybe your kids turned against you. Maybe your husband that you loved And you still love him, but he's not loving you and he walked away. People are broken sometimes. Oftentimes, the saddest thing to me would be that you'd walk in here and say, I need help, and you'd leave here. Because I will tell you this, the giver of every good and perfect gift is God. And the first thing to get all things sorted again is to come back and say, God, It's me. I'm not blaming anyone else, Lord. It's only me. It's not my brother, not my sister, but it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Save me, God. That prayer has opened up salvation to millions in the earth. That's the best prayer that a person can say is, save me, God, because I cannot save myself. I cannot get on a cross and pay for my own sins. I cannot pay back. There are things in my life where I treated people harshly and done things that I wish I could go back and redo, but you can't. But there's mercy at the foot of the cross. And every week when we give an opportunity, people respond and they say, I'm in. We do urge you to follow up. Don't just receive Jesus and boogie. Become a part of his family. Join the family business. Loving the world and bringing others to freedom and life. Right now, I'd like every head bowed and every eye closed, if we could, for just a moment. For all of you that came here saying, I know I need to get it together. I know that there's there's a hole in my life. And I've tried to fill it with all kinds of things, maybe even religion but I need Jesus to convey away my sins. I've never done well on the self-help. 
I need a Savior to save me from my sins. If you're here today and you say, I want to join God because he's already done everything to join me, put your hand up. I just want to just see a response. I see a hand. I see hands. I see another hand. I see another hand. There's a number of hands. Come on now. Be bold. Everybody that wants God today, get your hand up together. Let's do it. And then, okay, I see another hand. I see more hands. Let me just say this. The Lord sees you. The Lord hears your prayer. And today is a great day. How beautiful that on a, on a Christmas uh, celebration that you come to know the one that's the reason for the season. I want you, those of you that raised your hand, to know you cannot earn it. It's a free gift. And we're going to pray a prayer to invite the Lord into our hearts. And I encourage all of us to pray this at, um, with them. Dear Father, I thank you for the overwhelming giving that went on in that first Christmas. You so loved the world that you sent the Son to deliver me from my sins, from my depression, from my brokenness, from my addictive nature. Lord, today, I acknowledge I need a deliverer. I need the Savior, Jesus. Lord, I don't need a God. I need the God. And it's you, Father, and your Son, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit that you've sent. I ask you to do what you said. You said if I would call on your name, I would be saved. I call on you, Father. Save me now. You also said that whoever calls on your name shall not be ashamed. Take away my shame. Dear God, if you'll be my father, I'll be your child. Oh God, if you'll be my savior, I'll be your servant. I receive you today, dear Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.